If you're a true believer, you know that Christianity is war. The war happens in your heart every day, and the battle is between good and evil, between righteousness and unrighteousness, between the spirit and the flesh. I thought about this, the idea of walking in the spirit, it's a lifestyle of walking with God in obedience to his word, but this applies a relationship because you're walking by or in the spirit. The battle can be incredibly fierce at times, but don't lose heart because God has shown us how to be victorious. In Galatians 5, Paul says, walk by the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And there you have it. That is the key to it all. Jesus never fails when it comes to fighting against sin. He was tempted at all points like us, but he never sinned, not even for a moment in his thought. So the idea is, it's not you conquering the desires of the flesh, it's him by his spirit conquering them in you and through you. I'm Nate Dancer with Purity for Life. This is part two of the 11th episode in our series, A Firm Foundation. Here we go. All right, so let's talk about Galatians 5, 16 to 25 then. I guess we could just sort of go verse by verse a little bit there, or maybe a couple verses at a time. 16 and 17 of Galatians 5, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Okay, what's going on there? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, just the idea of walking first, we know that's an analogy for, you know, the life and the spirit. The word literally means walk or to make one's way progress. And I was looking it up in the Blue Letter Bible, and it also referenced just a Hebrew concept, the Old Testament concept, is to live or regulate one's life, Mm, to conduct oneself, to pass one's life. So really, it's a lifestyle. In Genesis 5, the the first time walked was used was Enoch walked with God. Mm. And then Genesis 6, Noah walked with God. In Genesis 17, God said to Abram, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. So it's really a lifestyle. So it's the idea of of lifestyle of continuous steps. And then in Psalm 119, he starts out the whole psalm, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. And then in verse uh, 3, they also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. So I thought about this, the idea of walking in the Spirit, it's a lifestyle of walking with God in obedience to his word, but this applies a relationship because you're walking by or in the Spirit. So... The idea here is God, by his Holy Spirit, gives us life, that life Mm -hmm. in the Spirit, and the power to to live right, the power is him living in us. He's the one in control. He leads us, like uh, the psalmist said, in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So that's the idea of walking, that it's a lifestyle of being in the Spirit and walking with God. Yeah, you know, I was just looking this up in uh, eSword here on my phone, which is also awesome that they have a phone app, a uh, little plug there. But in the in the Greek, walk in the spirit is actually just two words, walk, spirit. Yeah. So it seems like there's some room there for 
translations to decide, okay, are we going to say by the Spirit or are we going to say in the Spirit? Right. But I think the point is really clear, like you said, that this is a lifestyle that is just infused with the Spirit or by the Spirit, in the Spirit. This is not a lifestyle powered by your own effort. Exactly. This is a lifestyle powered by the Spirit. And that's the point he's been making up to this whole, up to this point, that's what he's been trying to say, that the law is not going to give you the results that you're aiming for. It's got to be empowered in the Spirit. Um, And then he says, and then you do that and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh, which, Mm -hmm. man, talk about like a key verse for Pure Life Ministries. Well, it's interesting. Uh, gratify, in my version, says you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That word, the, the root word is like teleo, but a part of the same, it's the same word where Jesus said, it is finished. So mm. it can have the idea of to bring to a close, to finish, to end, to perform, execute, complete, fulfill. So I thought that was interesting. You will not fulfill, you will not you know, bring to completion, execute, perform, bring to a close the desires of the flesh. So there's something in there. And I thought it was another thing, it could also have the connotation of to carry out the contents of a command. So it's like your flesh is demanding that its lusts, its desires are fulfilled, and it says you will not cave in and you won't be a slave anymore to that flesh that's trying to get you to do these things that are contrary to God and his commandments. You will not fulfill them. You know, I wonder, okay, this is total conjecture, but I'm just thinking about all the people that I've talked to over the years who come to me and say, man, the temptation is just so strong. And the what they're looking for is an end to temptation. I don't want to experience this anymore. I don't want to have these temptations. I don't want to have these desires. Yeah. And I don't know, like if I came to them and said, I have the key. Like, I know how you won't have to experience these temptations ever again. Like, what would you not give? Like, (laughs) chop your arm off, right, to get that. And I wonder if the Galatians thought that maybe circumcision or the feasts or uh, the Sabbath would somehow give them like an extra boost and relieve them of these inner temptations, you know, because they're they're very powerful. They can be tormenting at times. Yeah. And Paul does not say here, and he doesn't say it in Romans, he doesn't say it anywhere, that you won't experience the desires of the flesh. Mm -hmm. But what he's promising here is that you can have another kind of power working in you that will enable you to, like you said, not complete it. Yeah. But that's not as quite as appealing. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? But I would say in the opposite of that, a okay. lot of times there's an important distinction here. Temptation is not a sin. That I know in my life, you know, even if I have an ungodly thought, the temptation, automatically I feel condemned. Oh, look at me. I'm a sinner. And the enemy says, oh, you never changed or whatever. Yep. So it's important to realize that you do have a flesh that has desires. Yep. And, you know, James said that each one is tempted when he's drawn away of his own desires and enticed, then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. So what he's saying is if you walk in the Spirit, it stops that process. 
you're not going to move in that direction anymore. You have the lust, but you're not going to fulfill it. You're not going to go down that path anymore that leads to death. Yeah. And that, on the one hand, I think we have to accept that from God, that he is not promising the complete absence of temptation, but he is giving us his answer, and his answer is walking in the Spirit. Yeah. And it's pretty clear that as we go throughout this passage, that he's not just offering us like an equal power so that we're just, I mean, we're tormented and life is miserable because of temptation, but I didn't give in. He's offering us something incredibly powerful, his Spirit, which has these rich fruits, you know, to uproot and eradicate. I don't know how you would say it, but he is offering us something that is full of life. And I know from my own experience, I know from seeing the and hearing the testimony of others that when you walk in this way for a long period of time and you don't cave in, just time in and like over and over and over, you're just constantly giving in. When you when you walk by the Spirit, the power of those temptations subside over time. And you really do experience like a real freedom. You're not just, I take this by faith, I accept this by faith, but it's like you're experiencing that, that freedom. Yeah, and it's interesting because I've heard it said that only God is intrinsically holy. <laughs> And our holiness is derived from a relationship with him. And that's not just positional like sanctification, where you're right with God, you're justified, you're made holy, called to be a saint. Yeah. But you're actually, in reality, becoming holy, that lifelong process of sanctification. And it all depends on your relationship with God. The closer you get to him, the more you're going to experience freedom. One thing I do know, Jesus never fails when it comes to fighting against sin. Yeah. He was tempted at all points like us, but he never sinned, not even for a moment in his thought. So the idea is it's not you conquering the desires of the flesh. It's him by his spirit conquering them in you and through you. Yeah. That really Christianity isn't even just the spirit coming to live inside of us. It's a brand new life. It's his life in replace of our life. In the flesh and its desires, that's the old man and what he desires. Paul said, it's no longer I, but sin dwelling in me. There's that principle that there's something in you, that fallen nature that wants to sin. But you're not that person anymore. If you're genuinely born again, you're a new person, and you can operate out of that divine nature within you. And learning to walk with him, learning to be in that relationship with him, and that's where the freedom comes, as we're talking about. It's not me you know, mustering it up, but then the Spirit just kind of brings me over the edge so I don't give in. <laughs> right. No, it's his life being manifested in me. He said that in chapter 2, right? I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, Galatians 2.20. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and it's by faith. So that's true Christianity. Anything less than that, we're dumbing it down. It's almost like another religion, and then God comes along and kind of helps you if you can't quite do it. No, it's a brand new life, and he is the source of that life, including the strength to say no to your flesh. Yeah, which is, again, I think maybe why the Galatians caved to this whole notion that doing these external things would give them a leg up or just like a, I don't know, what do you, what do you, I don't play video games, give them a power mushroom. Level or, up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it would be so tempting because 
the normal progress of walking in the Spirit, which is just this, this daily battle and learning how to be weak in yourself so that Christ can be strong in you, is not an easy thing. You don't learn that overnight, right? How to walk really in a way where the power of God is manifesting in your own life, that doesn't just happen because you read like some books or listen to a podcast. It's, you have to, the Puritans called it experimental religion. Like you have to experience it and learn how to do this. Man, it'd be so great if I could just get the power of God by going to church on Saturday. Yeah, wouldn't that be wonderful? (laughs) That'd be so nice. (laughs) Well, when you were saying that, I thought about that. It's also growth and development. You look at like a a human baby. The baby can't walk when it first comes out of the womb. It doesn't have the strength in its muscles. It doesn't have anything, the coordination, you know, whatever. So the idea is it's something that you, you develop the strength to walk and then you do it by practice. You learn by doing. Mm-hmm. Paul is talking to believers about putting off the old, putting on the new. That walk by faith is obviously, if you're not born again, you don't have the power right. to put off the old, and you have nothing new to put on. But yeah. he's talking to believers here. You can walk in the Spirit and live in freedom because God himself, the Almighty God, is within you, yep. and he gives you the power to change. Yeah. Yeah, so then he starts talking about, in uh, verse 19... Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions. He just keeps on going down the list. And I, I think his point is probably, if you look at your life and these things are operating on a regular basis, you are not walking by the Spirit. Yeah. Because the Spirit would put these things to death. Yeah. And so it's just a good way for us to gauge how much of the Spirit's power we are experiencing. And if, if we're not seeing kind of a trajectory of more of the Spirit's life and less of these things, something's wrong or maybe... Maybe we've fallen into the trap of thinking that I'll just be able to overcome this in my own strength, or I've got this formulaic way of walking in the Spirit. Oh, I just have to do this stuff, and then these things will change. Yeah, it's it's not going to change that way. And there's a warning in there, too. Mm-hmm. Man, if you don't overcome this stuff, you're not going to inherit the kingdom. Yeah, and that's a that's a serious warning. So I thought about, you know... My version says, uh, you know, all this list of sins, and he says, and the like, I think your version says, and things like these, NLT, and other sins like these. So the idea is is the list isn't exhaustive. I thought about this. You know, many people in our culture say, well, I'm walking with God, and this particular thing that I'm doing is not even in the Bible. Well, we didn't have modern technology in the first century. There's going to be nothing saying don't get into sexting or internet pornography or that those weren't even available back then. You're right. But, you know, depending on which version you use, for example, I thought about that, that you could actually look at these as categories or types of sin. They're talking about specific things, but there's multitudes of ways that you can do that particular sin. I thought about my version says fornication for one of the first sexual sin, but it's the word pornia. We get the word pornography from there. So that could be virtual sex sexting. 
looking at a pornographic video, that's that's pornaya, you know. Yeah. And it's and it's translated in my version as fornication, which is basically any sexual behavior outside of marriage. So it could even include masturbation mm. because you're having sex outside of marriage. And that could also be under uncleanness, which is impurity or, you know, moral, or lewdness, you know, unbridled lust, excessive licentiousness. So the idea is, you know, Paul says these are evident. They're obvious. Mm. So even the modern things, we, it's obvious that's not in the spirit. God does yeah. not condone that. God does not approve of that. It's obvious. And it's a wake-up call, too. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. You know, when Paul was adamant about that, in, uh, in Galatians 6, he nailed it again. He says, do not be deceived, right? God is not mocked. Whatever you reap, you will sow. If you sow to your flesh, you're going to reap corruption. And as he says, destruction. Mm. But if you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap life. So that's the two paths, again, you yeah. know, the life, like you mentioned, and the death. And what I see here is if you're walking in the Spirit, it doesn't mean that you are never going to have anything in there that would resemble the list of sins. But what it does mean is, as like you said, the tra- basic trajectory should be growth, change, and development. That over the years, if you've been saved 20 years, and you're just as much your life is characterized by the works of the flesh— and minimal fruit of the Spirit is when you first, or no fruit of the Spirit, then I would question whether you're walking with God at all. Yeah. And whether you know Him. Yeah. Because it is, a, it is a process, but it's moving in the right direction. Yes. And I thought this was interesting, you know, walking in the Spirit, that um, Paul got into that in Romans 8 again. He said, you know, that through the Spirit we put to death the deeds of the body. But he, the very next verse says, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. So the context is actually living a godly life and putting to death those old ways, those those lusts of the flesh. That's what the Spirit, he's the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead you. If you're walking with him, he's going to lead you into righteousness, into purity, into holiness, into putting to death that old, all these old things, yeah, the works of the flesh, and obviously into the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, too, that I never... Uh made that connection between verse 18 of chapter 5 and Romans 8. But yeah, the leading of the Spirit in this context is a leading out of these fleshly things and into a way of life, you know, that is characterized as, like you said, holy. Yeah. And if that... If you're not seeing that in your life, like if what's right here and what's right in front of you is no different than what's in the rearview mirror, then where have you been led and who's been leading you? Because it hasn't been the Spirit of God leading you. Yeah. Because He leads you out of that and into a life of holiness, and only He can do that. And that's just the thing that He keeps on saying, and... and Actually, in verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And again, mm-hmm. the law cannot lead you into a life that is full of inward righteousness. It never gets you there. And so we true. should just abandon the notion that these outward things that I do are somehow going to lead me into this spirit-filled life because it doesn't take us there. Our eyes have to be on in everything we do. And I've been learning this. I hope I'm 
making more progress in it, but that in everything I do, what should be filling my spiritual vision is not what I do, but Jesus himself. Yeah, that's right. Him crucified, him resurrected, him ascended, his work in heaven on my behalf, his continual willingness to pour out the Holy Spirit, that is what will actually give me the grace and the strength to say no to the flesh and say yes to the Spirit is not that I'm so great or I'm so strong or I got this thing under control, but that Jesus himself did something for me and that if I fix my eyes on him, a power will be transferred from him to me to help me to live that life. Yeah, it's amazing. And I thought about Romans 8. It goes so well with this uh, verse 18, but if you were led by the Spirit, you're not under law. So going back to Romans 8, 2 again, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So there is a new law. There's a new principle, but it's a principle of life now. Yeah. Not like you mentioned, contrasting with death, trying to keep the law. You're under the curse. You can't keep it. And But the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And then a practical righteousness, you know, I'm no longer, if I'm led of the Spirit, if I'm walking in or by the Spirit, I'm going to be producing righteousness. What the law actually demands, he says that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Mm. So there's the difference. You're obviously walking in the flesh if your life is characterized by that works of the flesh, and you're walking in the Spirit if your life is characterized by the fruit of the Spirit, because it's His fruit. And if you're not walking with Him, you, can't, you cannot produce that in the flesh. Yeah. No matter how much you want to sanitize your actions, yeah. it's not going to be good fruit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, Romans 8, uh, like, yeah, we've referenced Romans 8 many times, but I was just thinking about the verse that says, the mind that is set on the flesh is death but the mind that is set on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Yeah. It cannot obey God's law. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's just not possible. And if you set your mind on the flesh, I, I mean, I tend to think in that passage, he's, he's talking also just about human effort. You set your mind on your effort to be able to fulfill God's law, you can't. It's not possible. But if you set your mind on the Spirit, then there's going to be life and peace, Yeah. and He's going to lead you in that, that law of life. Yeah, yeah. amen. Yeah, I, I just would say at this juncture, too, that this is stuff that I have been learning for years right? and seeking to learn and praying, Jesus, teach me how to walk in your Spirit, because... Yeah, I don't have all the answers, and I am i wouldn't even say that I got this thing like under control. It's just, it's a journey that I've been on for years because I know that God is trying to, or is willing. I What I, it's almost like the Galatians, what I experienced at the beginning, when I really put my faith in Jesus, what I experienced was a night and day difference and this just explosion of spiritual life inside. That's what I experienced when I put my faith in him was 
this inward, I don't know how you would say it, just a, a wellspring of life yeah. on the inside, you know, that led me to, I want to be with Jesus. I love Jesus. I just, I, I want to give my life to him. I want to follow him. And it has been easy to get my eyes off of that and to start thinking about what I do and my effort and my strength, you know, and you find some of that wellspring drying up a little bit. And That's he's, so true. Yeah. But the flip side of that is many people, maybe people listening, you know, the idea that their life is characterized by the works of the flesh, and the reason why they aren't overcoming is because they don't really know God. Mm. You know, that's also a wake-up call. Wait a second. If I'm not seeing fruit in my life, Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits. And if I don't see the fruit of the Spirit in my life, but I am actually in a slave to sin, right? well... Bare minimum, you're not walking with God like you need to, but you might want to examine whether you actually have a relationship with Him, because when the Holy Spirit comes in, He's going to begin working on you to produce the nature of Christ, that spiritual... Right. Like, do you have a baseline to work from? Have you ever experienced that freedom? You know, Paul is appealing to their own experience. Like, wait a second, you you knew life. You know, why would you, why would yeah. you change course? But I, I know for me, before I came to Pure Life, there was, there was no baseline to appeal to. I had never really walked in that freedom or that newness of life. And like you're saying, if somebody has never experienced that, maybe it's never happened. Yeah. But it's still available. Yeah, amen. That's why Jesus came to die. That is why he was crucified. That's... The whole point, you know, when Paul says, like, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed before you as crucified, that's why he died, because in ourselves there is no power to live a righteous life. There is no power to change our inward nature. We don't have it, and we can't do it, and we have got to throw ourselves on the mercy of Jesus Christ day in and day out, if we've never experienced it, or if we find that that inward life is drying up in some way, in a sense, the answer is the same. Throw yourself at the mercy of Jesus Christ and don't get up from that place until that life is renewed. It's so true. And, you know, we minister to people that deal with issues of life-dominating sexual sin, and a lot of times guys come to us and, you know, what they want is they want to be free from this behavior. Yep. But God wants to give them a brand new life. And a lot of them find out, I didn't even know God. I've been going to church my whole life. I didn't know God. And when they come into that brand new life beyond anything that they anticipated, the freedom comes with that because now the Holy Spirit's in you and they learn to walk in the Spirit yeah. and they're walking out of the old lifestyle into something brand new. Yeah. And then the, the fruit. Yeah. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, yeah. joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. Yeah. You can, you can have as much of that in your life as you want, and you will never get a rebuke from God. Yeah, that's right. I thought about something there, you know, um, I had heard this before, I don't know if it was Spurgeon or somebody, but it's interesting, he says fruit, not fruits, and then he lists nine things. So I heard that love is, is preeminent, 
that all the other ones are potentially manifestations of love. Mm. And I thought that's interesting because in 1 Corinthians 13, a lot of us call that the love chapter. The very two, first two things he uses to describe the characteristics or attributes of love are two of the fruits of the Spirit. Love is patient, love is kind. Oh, so it's kind of interesting. I'm just yeah, just, yeah. A, just a thought. And God is love. It, the Bible doesn't say God is joy. It says God is love. He has one spirit, but yet all these are manifestations or fruit of that. So I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not saying that's necessarily the whole truth, but I thought that was an interesting that thought. Is. Yeah. And I was thinking too, the idea of against such there is no law. I've always wondered, what does that even mean? So I mentioned what you said. God will never prohibit you from doing these things, from walking the spirit, producing the fruit. Love is the fulfillment of the law, so there's no other law, be it God or man, that's going to trump, supersede, mm. or nullify walking in the Spirit and producing the fruit. And there's no other law that can overpower us when we're walking in the Spirit and bearing us fruit. We're, mm. we're free from the law of sin and death. Um, so I thought that was good. Yeah, that is really good. And, and check this out. I, I wrote some, uh, you know... Obviously, the world, when you start walking in the Spirit and producing the fruit of the Spirit, the world's going to think you're weird. <laughs> no, I'm just going to say that. Right. But from a believer's standpoint, how ridiculous does it sound to come against the fruit of the Spirit in one's life or to make a law against it? So I thought about, like, you know, I just went through the fruits. I'll just, I'll just mention a couple of yeah. them. So someone's loving people, right? I didn't want to tell you, but you sacrificially love people too much. You need to learn how to hate more. <laughs> right. <laughs> or... Oh, you have way too much joy. You should be more depressed. Something's not right with you. Or why do you have so much peace? You should know better. Why don't you get more anxiety and turmoil in your life? <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. It's like, and, and the list goes on. So it's just like, yeah, it's what I found too is like, I used to, you know, be pseudo super spiritual. <laughs> I had a false spirituality, almost like this nebulous thing, like God was some weird spirit or something. You're into spirit. It's like an otherworldly thing. But Jesus was completely filled with the Spirit, and he was the most authentic human being that ever lived. And the idea is actually being spiritual and manifesting you know, all these fruits, mm -hmm. bearing this fruit, is just really being human, but human as God intended us to be, created in his image, filled with his Spirit. And it should be the most natural, it's supernatural, but for the believer, the most natural thing. I heard someone say the idea of sanctification, which is obviously getting away from the works of the flesh and into the fruit of the spirit, is not some impossible thing or this, you know, but it's actually possible because it's in other words, not trying to become something you're not. Yeah. But it's becoming who you are. You are a new creation mm. if you're born again. Growing up into God is becoming who you are. You know, and Paul talked about that. You know, that he my little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. He labored in, in prayer for them to be born into the Spirit, but now he wants to see the image of Christ in them. He wants to see them mature as a believer and for their lives to be free from the works of the flesh and exhibiting more and more of his nature, his character, the fruits yeah. of the Spirit. Yeah, th there's so much packed into these verses about how to experience the life of God, you know, the heavenly life of Jesus, which is all of that, that fruit of the Spirit, the heavenly life of God is each one of those things, you know, to the infinite power. Yeah. And he's offering us the ability, he's offering us a way to have those things developed in us over time, and he's telling us how to do it. It 
centers on what Jesus did for us as opposed to centering on what we do. Um, This heavenly life must be at war with sin in every form, and yet it's not, again, it's not about us doing this alone, but about this union with him and this relationship with him. So, yeah, it's... It's beautiful. I I don't know if I have a whole lot more. What do you have anything else that you wanted to? Yeah, just the idea. Verse twenty four: Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and, and, and desires. That um, getting back to the beginning about that war between the flesh and the spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, when I became a Christian, I was kind of disillusioned when I first made a profession of Christ. That I thought that now that I'm a Christian, the war is over. Yeah. But it's actually, once you actually have life in you, that's when the war begins, because there's a new principle in you, and not just a new principle, but a new person. And there's that old self, and now you have the flesh and the spirit warring against each other. So the fact that there's a fight is a good sign. It doesn't mean you're not spiritual. It's actually, no, now you're on the front lines of spiritual warfare. But he says, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. So he's basically, that's a given that if you really know the Lord and you have the Holy Spirit living within you and you're learning to walk in the Spirit, that that flesh with all its passions and desires yeah. is going to more and more progressively, sure, be put to death. And then he, he even says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Again, Romans 8, <laughs> 8, 9, if you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if the Spirit of God dwells in you. So now he's saying, okay, if we live in the Spirit, I'm born again, God's living in me, I need to learn to be in step, keep in step with the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Yeah. And it is a learning curve because we're always, you know, for me, we're, I think in a man in general, we're all about doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. But God's for looking sure. for relationship and the doing comes out. It's birthed mm. in and it comes out of the relationship and it's doing not so much for God, but with God. It's a participation in his life, like you said, you know. And by that, we're learning to walk in the Spirit. Hmm. And I love that. I don't know where it came from, but I use it a lot. Like, morality is not a line, it's a direction. It's not like, how close can I get to the edge of sin? You know, how much can me and my girlfriend get into before marriage and not be sinning? No, you're supposed to be moving in the other direction. It's, it's, a, it's a direction toward the Lord, and it's walking with the Lord every yeah. step of the way yeah. into His purity, yeah. into His holiness, into His righteousness. Yeah. You know, I think just to maybe... And one of the, it's almost like, okay, that's all this sounds really great, but tell me what to do. (laughs) Uh, Which I think is beside the point, you know. I've found in my own life that a huge part of the process of walking with the Lord is just getting to know Him. Yeah. Not tell me what to do and I'll do it, but pursuing the knowledge of God. Um, And that has been one prayer, I think, that has sort of become more important to me is please just reveal yourself to me. me. Let me see you and let me know you. Please help me not to think so much about what I do and self is at the center, but let Jesus be at the center, you know, of my life. And I think if you 
if you prayed along those lines and if you, let's say that you wanted to do more Bible study because you wanted to learn how to walk in the Spirit, if you made Jesus more of a focus, a central focus, like let me just get to know him, let me see him, there would be there would be a power that is the Holy Spirit that maybe you didn't expect. Because as you see him, I think that's the, you know, it's just an amazing verse in, uh, in John. I love the verse where it says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Yeah, amen. Um, you know, another verse that's been very encouraging to me is that Jesus said, everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and the one t- the, uh, to him who knocks the door will be opened. And he was talking specifically about asking for the Holy Spirit. So... Wherever we're at, that pursuit of the knowledge of God and then just really praying and asking God for more of the Spirit, it's been indispensable for me. Amen. And the reality is there isn't a formula. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's just, I mean, if you want a formula, you know, you could just say repent and believe. But but the reality is it's a relationship, and, and even if you did have a formula, it would be probably dumbed down to a head knowledge, and it's not. It's, there's no life in it. Yeah. So it has to. Everything is contingent upon the relationship. Yeah, yeah. Again, the whole Bible points to Jesus, and it's about a relationship with God. Yeah. And He's the power and the source of our life. Yeah. The source of change, the source of victory. If we're struggling with anything in our yeah, it has to be that relationship. It's so, so important. I mean, it's everything. I mean, that really separates dead religion from Christianity. Christianity is the only religion that can bring you into a living relationship with the living God, to actually put life within you. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I think think we've given people a lot to consider, and hopefully people will really dig into this stuff for themselves. But, yeah, the main point is Jesus Christ is everything. Yeah, I said. <laughs> He's everything. All right, great. Well, thank you very much for coming in, Ken. Yeah, thank you, Nate. All right. All right, that does it for this episode. Hey, so if this series has been a blessing to you, would you share one of these episodes with somebody today? I just think that with everything that's going on in the world around us, we as believers desperately need to be saturated in the Word of God. And that's what this whole series is about. We want to help you as a believer have the tools that you need to dig deep into God's Word so that your life is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So if you can think of someone that would benefit from that, I wanted to encourage you to reach out to them today. Okay, that's it. God bless. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. 
Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org. Thank you.